Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey, everybody. Dr. Dad's coming at you. This is Dr. David Wardy. Dr. Nick, how you doing, man? Good, brother. Another beautiful day in paradise. How's Vancouver looking today? It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's been a, a nice little spring we've been having so far. Can't complain. Ditto over here. Ditto over here in South Texas, man. In El Paso, we're we're uh, we're having some nice spring days. So, buddy, we're gonna get into a lot of all things mindset with the theme of today and the guests that we have on. And I'm really excited to bring this guy on. This is a good friend of mine. He's a patient. Uh, confidant. We get into very deep conversations. This is one individual that I really enjoy speaking with almost on a weekly basis and diving into a lot of things that I think are in the unknown as we speak uh, that many people don't talk about much. But these are the things that me and Anthony really like to dive into. So we have Anthony Randall on today and he is the author of the book, A Husband, The True Story, or I'm sorry, A Husband, Best Friend, and Caregiver, The True Story of the Struggle Within. So Anthony is going to share his story with us today, and we're going to really dive into a lot of things that many individuals that have had health struggles uh, that they had needed to combat in their lives that can be this huge alarm where life all of a sudden gets turned upside down and having to take action and then from that moment moving forward, really change your life and what you're doing to be able to beat some of these diseases. So Anthony, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How you doing, David? I'm very good, man. Thank you for coming on with us today. We're we're really excited to really talk about your book. And I want to kind of just start off with uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit about you. So Anthony's from Texas. He's from Texarkana. And he joined the army after high school. After one tour, he went to college. That's where he met his wife, Jess. And he played football for many years in Arena Football League. Now he enjoys spending as much time as possible with his wife, son, and his two bulldogs, Bear and Mia. He likes working out, lifting weights, riding bikes, playing tennis, going for walks with his beautiful wife. And um, let me tell you guys something about Anthony. Uh, if you don't see the video that we eventually post, he's a very big, big guy. He's huge, okay? So... <laughs> He's like a giant teddy bear, okay? You meet the guy, and, like, he's very intimidating when you look at him and you're around him, but he's, like, one of the most loving, genuine individuals I think I've ever met in my life. So just to kind of paint the picture for you, man. <laughs> so, so and can you kind of just start us off um, kind of why you wrote this book and then share with everybody a little bit about the, the, whole, the whole reason this has all come about and why we're talking today and about your book and everything? Okay, yes. Um, the reason I wrote the book, uh, because I was sitting in the emergency room, um, uh, after they had moved my wife, uh, to the back. And, um, I remember sitting out in the, in the waiting room and I had my hand over my face and somewhere deep inside me, I knew, uh, something was really wrong with my wife. Um, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, I wish somebody could have wrote a book about what I'm going to go through. Cause I knew at that moment that I was getting ready to go through, go through something. I just didn't know what it was, but I was sitting there thinking, you know, I just 
wheeled my wife into the emergency room. You know, she was crying. Uh, it's like two, three in the morning. And it's like I had no guidance. It was like, you know, because us as men, you know, we always want to know um, what's going on in our family, um, you know, with our with our spouse, our kids, you know, no matter what it is, you know, because we have that, that protective thing in us and we always want to know what's going on and, you know, so we can kind of nip it in the bud or take care of it. But at that moment in that time, I didn't have an answer for anything. I didn't know what was going on. And it was kind of like being, uh, being just blindsided, just being in the dark and not having anything to kind of guide me was, um, guide me to what's finna get ready to go, uh, what's finna get ready to happen, you know, during that time. So, and that's kind of where the book came from, you know, cause I didn't want anybody to go through what me and my wife went through, not knowing, you know. Uh, after she got the diagnosis and everything, so it it was kind of a kind of a guide for people that's going through any uh, severe um, uh, disease or anything that uh, that they have a battle or something that's in their life. It's kind of it's kind of a guide for that. So, would you mind sharing with us what the diagnosis was and what news uh, you got after she came out? Yes, um, uh, originally. Um, you know, like I said, it was like two, three in the morning and my wife, you know, she woke up and she was crying and, um, and she told me that she had her, her side over her rib cage was hurting. And, you know, before, uh, that day before, you know, she had picked up her, her computer bag and we thought maybe it was too heavy and she kind of had strained herself. So, you know, I picked her up and I uh, put her in the car, took her to the emergency room and everything. And, um, you know, and like I said, you know, once they called me back and they ran all the tests and everything, the doctor came back and told me uh, that my wife had stage four breast cancer. So, and, um, you know, my wife, like I said, you know, she's, you know, me and my son, you know, you see us, we look like my wife's bodyguard, you know, cause my wife is five, two and, you know, I'm six, four and my son is six, five, but you know what, but that five, two frame, she's very, very strong. Uh, mentally, she holds our family together. And um, and the thing was, when the doctor told her that, you know, she had stage four breast cancer, you know, and it, it, it really hit me because it's like having your best friend, um, your wife, your confidant there and somebody tells you within that split second that she has stage four breast cancer and your mindset is she's already gone. So, you know, I, I started to break down inside emotionally, but it, it was, it was weird because my wife, when she heard that, she kind of made like a semi joke out of it. She said, wait a minute. She said, well, what happened to stage one, stage two and stage three? She said, it just skipped over those and went straight to stage four. So she was kind of, <laughs> she can tell it kind of hit me inside, like just instantly. And um, so, you know, after the doctor talked to us and everything, you know, I went in the bathroom for a while because he went upstairs to uh, uh, to look at some more uh, x-rays and everything like that. So, you know, when I went into the bathroom, I just, I broke down. I, I couldn't hold it. And, and I think my wife knew it. She could see it, but she kind of like, hey, you know, you know, she just let me go to the bathroom. And, and like I said, you know, uh, like I told you in the book, I, you know, I didn't go in there, use the bathroom, I went there to break down crying. And I, I 
heard the doctor outside. And so I flushed the toilet and then, you know, cleaned myself up and I, I walked out, walked out in the room with my wife and um, the doctor called me outside. And, you know, that's when he started telling me um, that he was like 17, 18 years old and his mom got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And, you know, he was going through medical school and stuff and that, you know, he was doing the best that he could, but he was just running just on fumes and stuff. And he said he felt like he gave up on his mom because at the time he was a teenager and, you know, he just wanted to go to school and be a doctor and everything. And his mom could see that on his face. And so she told him like, hey, you know, I'm tired. I want you to just go ahead and live your life and just, you know, just let me go. It's, it's time for me to go. And um, he told me, you know, face to face that he wanted to just, um, if he could have that moment back to where he could be even stronger, you know, for his mom, because he said now he looks back on it now, you know, he's in his 30s, <clears throat> uh, late 30s, early 40s. And he looked at himself like a little, you know, like a little, he said, like a little spoiled teenager when his mom needed him. And he said, if he could take that moment back, he would. But he said, you know what? He said, don't you give up on your wife. He said, I'm going to admit her to the hospital. And he said, don't give up on her. Because he said, I felt like I gave up on my mom. And he just broke down crying. And then, um, you know, he walked off and did the paperwork to submit my wife to the hospital. Uh, so we could see uh, two of the top specialists uh, that dealt with uh, breast cancer uh, in Las Vegas. So I want to spend some time there, Ant, because you, you talked about how initially where your mindset defaulted to when you were given that news. Mm -hmm. But I want you to talk a little bit about Jess, because I know Jess as well. Mm -hmm. And this is, I want you to tell the other side of that story, because okay. she didn't have that same experience. Yeah, she sure didn't. Um, you know, I talked to her uh, the, that night and the next morning after they had moved her up to her room. And I said, uh, you know, I said, when I looked over at you, I said, you probably could see the look on my face. I said, you know, it just hit me just like all of a sudden, like you, you were there one minute. They say, no, you're not there. I said, what was the look on your face? Cause she had, you know, after she said the stage one, stage two, stage three, she had this stern look on her face. And I remember being in the military and being around special forces and stuff. And, you know, when they're getting ready to go into combat, you know, they have this this look that just, you know, just give you chills. Like, you know, they finna go and take care of business. Look. And and I told her, I said, you had this this look after you, you know, made the little joke. But I said, your face went into like, um, it's like she went into like a combat mode. And I said, what were you thinking at the time with that look? She said, well, she said, I was sitting there thinking, well, I'm, I'm not gone yet. I'm here. And that just because I have stage four, uh, you know, like, don't count me out. I'm not going anywhere. And she said up in her head, she was literally having a conversation up in her head. You know, I got a husband and a son that needs me and I'm not going anywhere. So right then and there, she made up her mind that she wasn't going anywhere. So, I mean, that right there is literally the reason I love your book because I believe, and I've told justice because we've discussed this when I interviewed you before, that had a huge part of why she beat it. Yeah, it is. Because from, from the very get-go, she knew, like, no, I'm good. I'm going to beat it. Yeah. And you see so many individuals, Anthony, on the other side, and Nick, you would probably totally agree with me here. Mm 
of when that doctor gives that diagnosis, that patient takes that diagnosis, they slap it on their forehead, and it robs them yes. of everything. And they literally go into a default of, I'm sick, I'm dying, there's nothing else I can do about it, and I'm, like it's over. And, and Jess, uh, it's funny the way she, I mean, she talks about it like no big deal. She's like, oh, no, the moment I got it, I was like, no, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Like, we're just going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And, and that's from day one, from day one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. So take too. Us, Sorry, if, if I yeah, could jump in. Go ahead, Nick. Um, just to, to uh, maybe just dive in a little bit deeper to that component. Did Jess ever have doubts? Because I'm just thinking of the people listening she had the mindset. She knew the, 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 the operating system had to be that, you know, I'm going to get through this. Mm-hmm. And so for people listening, they may go, oh, geez, that's not me. I don't, I'm not strong-willed. I can't think that way. Jess is a superhuman being. <laughs> she, has a, she has a gift that I don't have. Yeah. How, can, how can we connect the dots so that everybody can choose this for themselves and did Jess also have doubts, but she chose the program that superseded those doubts? Yeah. Um, the thing was, if, um, you know, I talked to her and she said when she was kind of making a joke somewhere in there, like with, I mean, it was, it had to be like a split second mm-hmm. that she had like a little bit of nervousness because, you know, I mean, you know, you walk into an emergency room and they say, no, Hey, stage four breast cancer. It's like, okay, wait a minute. So, the announcement of it um there was a little bit of fear for like a second Mm -hmm. and she even told me that instead of her thinking of the here and the now and that i have i've just been diagnosed okay let me look at what i do have okay i got a uh husband that supports me on everything i do i got a son that supports me um we have a house uh, we have two little bulldogs that need me. Uh, you know, she was just going through all the positive things. She was kind of like just, um, kind of like just checking everything just off in this little block of everything that she has now to be grateful for. And it's like she went into that grateful mode instantly. And next thing you know, it's like boom. And next thing you know, that that how you said that superhero mentality thing, that special forces combat thing, that's and it kicked in. Yeah, that's yeah. that's beautiful. What you just said right there it sums up how people can access that information and access that superpower. It's just you yeah. dive into gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that's that's amazing. That's a beautiful yeah. care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's a choice, right? I mean, people think like, oh, well, I just felt like I went that way with my thought process. No, you're choosing to pick either to be in the positive side like Jess is or that negativity, right? And that if people only knew how powerful your mindset is when it comes to healing, and it changes the whole process of the journey. I mean, so, Ant, take us, take us on the rest of the journey because I okay. want you to talk a little bit about how when you all started treatments for Jess and how you guys started kind of diving into some of your own research and understanding some things, other things that needed to be changed lifestyle-wise for you guys to be successful with this. Yes. Um, yeah, after she got out of the hospital and everything and, uh, the doctor had made the appointment, uh, with the specialist that we, we chose, uh, we had our first meeting with the specialist and, um, you know, and the first question we asked her 
was, you know, after she had finished explaining like um, the schedule Jess was going to have as far as, you know, her chemo and, uh, and, and getting her port in and everything. So, uh, you know, we asked her, is it anything as far as nutrition wise that we need to change? And she said, no. And you know how you just, uh, it, it's, it was like a feeling like if you come in this fork in the road and you have to make a, either a decision to make a left or a right. And if you try to make a left, it, it's like something internal in your gut is saying, okay, that's the wrong way to go. You need to go right. So then you go right. So that's kind of how me and Jess felt when she said that. So as soon as we left, you know, I went on Amazon. Uh, well, I, I Googled some books, uh, went on Amazon, started ordering some books and stuff um, as far as the food and everything like that. So we literally started going through the kitchen and started taking out all the sugar because every time we did some type of research or anything, it came up sugar, processed sugar, 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 processed sugar. And then it was talking about like canned vegetables, all types of stuff. So we literally started um, uh, stripping stuff out of the kitchen, not just at one whole time, because, you know, that can kind of get expensive for people to do. So what we did, we started doing it a little bit at a time, but we all, but we started with the sugar stuff first. Then, you know, just, and we just went from there. And next thing you know, we was eating all organic and, and everything. So, um, you know, with that, uh, we we just started from there and then we got on a like a little exercise thing as far because we both love playing tennis so you know we started playing tennis and everything but once we started going to uh the treatments and everything um you know like i said we had already made up our mindset how we were going to eat and stuff so i figured to support my wife i'm going to eat the same everything she eats i'm going to eat it so, you know, so if I'm going to do this with her, I'm going to do it wholeheartedly. So that's what I did, too. You know, I put all my snacks, my chips and everything out. And, you know, and my son, he did, too, as well, uh, which was, you know, which helped all of us anyway, you know, changing the way we eat. Uh, but also that helped her as soon as we started going to chemo. Uh, we walked in the room and I remember this. It was probably about 60 something people in there. There were probably about three men. The rest were all women. And they turned around and like, just, you know, looked at us like, like, what are you guys doing here? You you look way too healthy. And I guess they was trying to figure out which one of us was going to go sit in the chair. And uh, so when my wife went over to sit, sit in the chair, you know, everybody was just staring because, you know, she still had her hair. It didn't look like anything was wrong with her. So, you know, they started, uh, you know, plugging her in and everything and stuff. And, and like I said, you know, everybody was still staring at her for a while. And, um, and uh, next thing you know, uh, she got this sticky note and she wrote on the sticky note and she asked the nurse to put this little sticky note on her bag. And uh, the little sticky note, um, she put it on the bag. I remember the sticky note fell off and everybody, all the patients in my wife's aisle looked at the sticky note and she grabbed it, put it up there. And a lot of people asked, well, what's on the sticky note? And she said, um, the sticky note said uh, God's medicine on the bag. So next thing you know, um, you know, we um, started doing the treatment and everything. And when we walked out of there, uh, my wife, you, I mean, I don't know what it was. It was some type of energy or something, but it's like she never even took the, the bag of chemo. And it, it, was a, it was a pretty large bag too. 
And and I was like, well, you want to go home and rest? And she was like, nope. She said, I want to go play tennis. I'm like, are you sure? And she was like, she was like, yes, I want to go play tennis. And for some reason, her energy always stayed like that. And she was supposed to stop at eight, uh, at eight treatment, no, six treatments. And they took her all the way to eight. And she still kept that same energy. She had more energy than I did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I remember from your book, and I don't want to spoil the book, but she would change the message on, on the IV, right? Or she'd put yeah. different messages on her IV every time you guys went in. Yes, she would. And and there you go again, just another aspect of where her head was at during this whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aunt, can you share real quick, um, talk a little bit about what they were feeding everybody there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Um, like I said, you know, when we went to the chemo treatment, uh, we would pack just a lunch and everything, you know, salad, stuff like that, um, uh, soups, uh, homemade soups, everything. So we noticed that they were walking around with a big basket of uh, cookies, uh, chips, um, a lot of uh, candy bars, Snickers, Butterfingers, and they were passing it around to different people. And when they got over to my wife and said, hey, you want some chips or a candy bar? She was like, nope. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, okay, why isn't she taking any of this stuff? And they kept on watching her every time they brought the basket over to her. And she was like, nope, I don't want it. Then they would take it around to everybody else. Uh, the other thing I noticed, too, uh, you know, because every time we went in, you know, we wasn't in the same section. We were always in different sections. Uh, they had Popeye's chicken. Uh, McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell. It was, um, it was just, it was a, a restaurant in there, <laughs> you know, pretty much. You smelled all different types of food and everything in there. But like I said before, um, I remember one time this one lady, she started screaming. She looked over at me and my wife and she instantly started screaming. And she said, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. She said, this is too much pain for me. It's too much. And I remember her falling out of her chair and she hit the floor. And the nurses them couldn't even grab her enough because she was kicking and screaming and said it was burning. Her skin was burning and all different types of stuff. And then one of the nurses came over. They had to pin her down and they gave her a sedative. And once she calmed down, uh, they put her back up in the chair and uh, they were able to put her port in her IV and everything. And it was just them just eating all the junk food and everything. And their body was acting totally different uh, when they were getting the chemo. And and there was people in there the same age as my wife. And they looked like they were 20 or 30 years older than my wife. They was in, in wheelchairs, uh, walkers or crutches. And everybody, you know, kept on asking the nurses, like, hey, like, is there anything wrong with her? And one lady actually asked my wife, like, like, why are you in here? She was like, well, I have cancer just like you. And yeah, and and they even asked my wife, well, why why do I look like this and you look like that? And my wife showed her all the food that we were eating and and everything, so. Wow. You know what what makes me think is when you got that message from that first doctor that said, you can kind of eat whatever you want. You know, you guys had a a choice in that moment to go, oh, well, I guess the medicine that that I'm receiving here is going to take care of everything and I can just give my power away to this medicine 
you guys chose to reframe what that medicine was doing. You, you understood the messages in water and the power of how solution can, can vibrate the same technology within our cells. You understood yes. the power of nutrition. You understood mm-hmm. the power of intention. Like, yes. There's so many messages in your book through your experience that I hope that anyone that's going through something similar can start to go, oh, I do have a choice. I, yes. I can choose to actually reject the opinion of a doctor. And for any doctors listening, those subtle little things, those subtle little messages that we say, mm-hmm. my goodness, they matter. Yeah, so, exactly. And you, good for you guys for, for choosing your own path and yeah. integrating. I mean, which is yes. good. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So Anthony, you, you wanted to talk a little bit about that. You know, Nick, Nick, I'm glad you brought that up. This whole integration and the fact that you had to you had to create awareness for yourself. You had to educate yourself. I mean, you ordered books. I'm sure you guys were on the internet all the time. And you were constantly looking for other answers so that you could take this multi-therapeutic approach to help help Jess on her journey to beat her cancer. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how important, I mean, this was something that you had to learn by going through an experience in life. Yes. How important would you say that is for other people uh, when they get hit with something maybe like cancer or some of these other life-threatening illnesses? Well, you know what, Uh, and and this is what I learned. Um, When you're on a certain path, whether that's eating, uh, the way you think, your mindset, and then you get diagnosed with something, okay, something along that, that line uh, caused this, or you set something in motion with like eating a lot of greasy foods, or maybe it might be your personality, your attitude towards people or yourself, the way you think about yourself or the way you see yourself. When you get diagnosed, you can't be the same person that you were. You have to change. And, and, and I noticed that in myself and I noticed that in my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we both had to change. We're, we're, I mean, David, you know, we're totally different people. Um, it's, it's, like, it's like you're not awake. And then when, you start, when we started doing all this research and started uh, reading a lot of books, looking at motivational YouTube videos, getting up in the morning, um, just looking at, uh, you know, like happy movies, stuff like that, our mindset and, and everything, it was like we were waking up and, and we were getting sharper, um, you know, by, by, you know, going through this whole process. Oh, it's crazy that you say that. We were just talking to Tommy Rosen, right, Nick? Mm-hmm. About this whole people being unconscious of of not knowing who they are and mm-hmm. having these addictions and these bad habits. And for sure, I mean, these behaviors can lead to sickness and illness, right, and yes. disease, as yes. we spoke. And, it, and I love that you say that because you're absolutely 100% without a doubt correct. You have to change. Mm-hmm. And people, I think people... For our listeners listening really quick, the answer doesn't lie outside of you when these types of things happen, whether it's something really severe or just a mild uh, health effect, you know, the answer is within. Mm-hmm. It and, is. And it's so crazy how people default to looking outward. They look the pill. They look for the injection. They look for the surgery. They look, they're constantly looking like, oh, there's something outside of me that will just help me get well. 
I don't need to change anything that I'm doing because couldn't have been me that made me sick. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And, and, you know, and I put it in my book where um, my mother-in-law, you know, she died from brain cancer, my wife's mom. And the thing was, you know, at the time I asked my wife, I'm like, well, what was on your mind? I said, if you could just take time for like a minute and just think about what was on your mind. I said, can you, can you tell me what was on your mind uh, after your mom had passed? She said, I was stressed. She said, I blame myself for not being there for my mom. And then this, this was the thing. She said, well, am I going to end up with it? And she kept on replaying. She was internally, she, you couldn't see it on the outside, but internally she was stressed on the inside because she wasn't there. Uh, she felt like she needed to be there more for her mom. And then she was thinking about her mom's diagnosis, even after her mom passed. So she was imprinting that in herself. Like I said, I couldn't see it, but she was her thoughts. It was just like a recording. It was repeating itself. And then she got diagnosed. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful you know, message right there, what you shared. And, you know, I'm just sitting back here listening and, and going, geez, you got so much wisdom in, in how you're speaking. I wish more people could adopt this kind of mindset because this is, these are all these facets that, that really make or break our ability to heal. It and does. We, and we, yeah, when we've got these Achilles heels holding us back because of a mindset or not willing to look at some of the emotional patterning or some of the traumas that, that have come up, you know, that was obviously part of our healing just to bring awareness to that piece as well. Yes. Um, another thing you brought up in the book, which I just loved, uh, because you do have that deep insight, you, you started to reflect these different moments, which I've heard be, being called before, like God moments, the signs of inspiration that you're kind of on the right path. And, and yeah. you sort of, you highlighted a few of them, which I thought were so beautiful. It was such amazing insight that you brought. And, you know, sometimes we don't always get the messages in the most obvious of ways. But you were, if you could share maybe one or two of those messages that you got, they just kind of let you know that, you know, I'm being supported. I've, I've, I've got that, you know, divine connection. Someone, something's guiding me. Something's letting me know that everything's okay. Yes. Um, the, the, the one night when we were sitting in the bed and, uh, you know, and they was telling my wife that, you know, she had to either have a, a bisectomy or a double bisectomy. And I remember her, you know, we was talking about it and she started crying and I was like, well, what's wrong? And she was like, well, you know, she said, are you still going to love me? Am I still going to look beautiful to you? And I was like, yeah, you know, no, I said, don't worry. About it. I said, don't worry about that. I said, no, I said, it's not what made me fall in love with you. I said, it was your personality. I said, your smile. I said, your voice. I said, it was everything else. And I said, no, I said, I want you to put that, you know, out of your mind and everything. So that night we went to bed. I remember saying a prayer. And I remember, um, you know, just something my grandmother always told me. And she said, you know, when you feel like you're at a point where um, that you like you can't help yourself, she said, God's always there to help you. She said, that's all you have to do is ask. And, you know, and my grandmother, uh, you know, I wish, uh, you know, all the things that she taught me, you know, I wish she was here today because, man, I, like I said, you think I'm wise. My grandmother was like just super wise but I, I remember her saying that and all of a sudden you know right before i went to bed i remember that and it played in my head like she was there with me 
uh, like she has just said it in my ear. And I remember asking my grandmother and, and God, I like, you know, can you please help me? I said, I'm at a point to where I can't, I don't know. I think I'm stuck. I don't know what the direction to go. I said, please help me help heal my wife. And I remember going to bed and, and I remember, um, waking up, it felt like seconds. Like it's like, as soon as I went to bed, I remember going around the bed and, and I don't remember touching the floor or anything. And I remember, uh, bending down by my wife and my wife was very still. And I remember putting my hands on my wife's, uh, over her liver. And, and, you know, I'm not good at saying prayers you know my prayers are like all broken you know they say there's no good way to say prayers you know so but me you know my prayers are all broken so you <laughs> know I, I, as soon as i put my hands on her uh all of a sudden the prayers just started flowing they were like connected it was just like an easy flow and i remember i felt heat on my uh, left shoulder and then i remember feeling heat on my right shoulder it was like two people one was standing over here and one was standing over here because i felt this before and i remember the heat was slowly running down my arms and it hit my hands and as soon as it hit my hands i remember sweat started pouring off from under my hand between my wife's body and under my hands and the sweat was just pouring down and the i remember a thought that i have like well i hope this doesn't wake my wife up she never moved at all she never moved. And like I said, I remember sitting there praying and I did not feel the floor when I was on my knees or anything. And, and I just remember getting up and I walked back around. At least I, I felt like I floated, but I walked back around to the bed and I remember going back to sleep. But at the same time, that same night, I remember um, uh, I had a dream. And it was so real. I remember the uh, being in this dream, and it was one of those dreams that teaches you like like a lesson, a lesson that will carry you through whatever you're going through uh, in life or whatever. It's one of those dreams that's so real that it's just when you come out of the dream, it's like okay, uh, okay, I'm ready to go now, you know. And, and like I said, I don't want to, I don't know if you guys want me to tell you the dream because uh, like I said, you know, people haven't read the book, but it's one of the pivotal parts of the book. So, uh, do you want me to tell? I don't, I, I don't want you to spoil the book and okay. you don't have to go into detail, but maybe we can discuss a little bit about what the aha moment kind of was that came out of that. Okay. Can yes. Yes. I, I just got to interrupt for a sec. I'm getting the craziest shivers listening to you. It's like every hair is staying on end. Like you're, you're speaking to some really powerful stuff. So thank you so much for everything you've shared so far. And yeah, I, I agree with David. Let's, let's leave it as a cliffhanger for people. Okay. Give us the, the messaging. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, so it was one of those things where it was, uh, how you say it, uh, fight or flight. So, when I came out of this dream and that morning I ran into my wife in the bathroom, uh, it was a totally different me. It was, it wasn't a flight. It was a fight. And it was a, it was a, it was some, it was a strength that was, um, I don't even know what you call it. I, I just felt like super strong as far as like my, my, uh, 
being a supporter, being a caregiver. It was, yeah, it was, it was like I came out and I had a Superman symbol on my chest and I was ready to go. And my wife noticed it too, because, you know, later on, and, you know, I discussed this with David later on, you know, I talked to my wife, you know, after she had um, finished her chemo and everything. And, you know, we finally had time to sit down and really talk deeply about it. She said that she always had a concern whether or not I was going to leave her. And she said, she was just waiting for me to come and talk to her. And I said, well, I said, that's the thing. I said, I was fighting up in my head. I said, I love you uh, more than anything. And I said, you know, I, I told her, I said, it was that fear. The fear was wanting to make me leave. But I said, I didn't want to leave because the love was keeping me here. So I said, I had an internal, internal battle. Uh, but I said, once I had that dream, then that just pushed that whole fear to the side. And once it pushed the whole fear to the side, there it was, that fight, that fight was there. I can totally relate to that story, Anthony. And we've had this discussion, you know, uh, my wife, Clarissa, you know, she got diagnosed almost 10 years ago now with autoimmune disease, almost lost her life. I almost lost her, you know, kind of at the beginning of that journey with us. Yeah. But I can totally relate to this whole, it's like that switch turns on mm-hmm. because before that switch turned on for me, the fear was there and the fear is real. I mean, that yeah, fear, it is. I don't, you know, everybody, I don't think anybody gets through life without getting those punches in the stomach where life just like, just gives it to you. Right. And it's, yes. I think it's in a different form for everybody. Some people it's their health, you know, some people it's relationships. I mean, it's a lot of different things. Yes. But when you get hit with that and it gets to another level that you have not experienced in your life, that fear sets in very quickly and yeah. it can overwhelm you. It can. And this is kind of what we're talking about with like Jess earlier. Like that, I don't think that ever hit Jess, but I know it hit you. And, and like, like, like I know it hit me when Clarissa got sick Yeah. And and I've talked to Clarissa about that, but you get hit with that and then you do have to deal with it. Yes. But then you have to rise above it. And you're literally talking about like the hero rising from the ashes of like, you made a choice. I mean, you had a dream, you had that aha moment, you had that epiphany, and then you woke up and it's like you were in a different mode. And then everything you do from that moment changes because you just flip the switch on. And for me, it was the same as you. It was like, not going anywhere. We're going to get our will. Mm-hmm. That was it. It, yeah. it was that simple. Yeah. Yeah, Nick. Right. Yeah, that's. I'm just. I'm have? just sitting back and going. This is. This is such a fun conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I want. I want to just get into that. Uh, you. You mentioned some interesting stuff. So, the the role of care caretaker caregiver mm-hmm. is not a typical natural role for men. Yes. To to, to live in or, or operate from. Mm-hmm. Um, the man or the male perspective typically comes down to. I need to fix this. And when I know that I've lost my control over a situation, there's a lot of fear there. Um, I want to hear a little bit uh, about your fear um, <clears throat> in that sort of male mentality. Like I'm, I'm the protector. I, you know, I keep yeah. everyone safe. I I've got this. It's my, it's my turn to do something to fix this. Mm-hmm. And just sounds like a firecracker. Can't wait to meet a woman one day. Um, 
she created this <clears throat> place of steadiness, which people yes. can go to, uh, you know, and women, women, men, I mean, anyone can go to, and she chose that for herself. She didn't need you to do anything. No. She just needs you to be that, that superhero for that's her it. to stay steady. So please yeah. like, just get into that a little bit because that's some amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, you know, um, you know, I know, I knew the mindset that she was in, but at the same time, she didn't know the internal battle uh, that I was going through. So I knew that I had to kind of, like you said, Jess was already there. I had to kind of bring myself up to her level. And, and like I said, you know, and after writing this book, I ran into like so many couples and so many stories, whether, you know, is that Sprouse or Whole Foods or, you know, me and my wife, we've been invited to our church. Uh, where this one lady walked up to me and told me that they have this 26-year-old couple that has a little boy and a little girl, and the mom got diagnosed with stage uh, three uh, breast cancer, and the husband literally walked out on the family and left them. Wow. And this is the thing. Now, I'm, I'm going to quote a rapper here. It's uh, P. Diddy. <laughs> And he, yeah. and he even said that you either can stay in the darkness or you can come out into the light. And some people choose to stay out in the darkness. Some people chose to walk out into the light. Me and David chose to walk out into the light. And and, and that's the thing. Um, you know, you got to make a choice. But like I said, sometimes the fear can just be so overwhelming that it literally only thing left for us to do as far as men. Because, you know, like you said before, the women are built to be the caregivers and, and, you know, take care of the parents, take care of the grandparents, you know, and, and the men, we're just, you know, we're there to provide and uh, be security for the family and everything. So, you know, so I had to get into that role of being a caregiver. And like I said, you know, I, I have much respect for all the women in this world because, you know, a caregiver's job is, it's unreal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just as far as the emotional aspect of it and, and just, you know, keeping yourself together uh, to support someone. Mm -hmm. uh, but like I said uh, before, it's just, um, you know, as far as us men uh, being a caregiver is, you know, you have to you have to get yourself in that mode because it's it's been a trend going on now to where the men, as soon as the wife or the spouse get a diagnosis, they, they want to walk away because it's like, okay, I done ran out of everything I'm supposed to do as a man. Okay. Now what? Uh, okay. Uh, I think I'll just let the fear take me over and I'll just leave. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's been countless stories like that, that I've heard. Uh, I even heard it from an 80 year old man that his mom got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer and his dad walked out on them and left him there to take care of his mom. And he stayed there with his mom until she passed away. It was just him and his mom. So wow. it's just countless stories. Mm -hmm. I, I had a similar, I didn't have a similar experience, but my, my father did. He, uh, my mom had a, a cerebral aneurysm uh, burst when they were traveling in France. And yeah. my dad is like, he's a stoic guy. He's, you know, a uh, provider, you know, all yeah. these, all these things. And I never, I could have never ever imagined him in the role of a caretaker. Yeah. And it's, it's like the something switches. He just mm -hmm. repurposed his life. Yeah. Changed the identity of who he was. And yeah. man, seeing him and still like my mom's still healing. Yeah. So seeing him still like align with that role. I mean, it's a big shout out to all caregivers, women, men, 
you know, yeah. nurses, doctors, exactly. whoever, you're a yeah. good friend. Yeah. We, we can't take for granted how important it is to play that role of cheerleader and stay steady and stay strong for the people in our lives. And, yes. and it's a really scary choice to, to mm -hmm. be and do different. But yeah. man, it's, it makes all the difference in the world for, the, for those loved ones in our lives. Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. Well, and Anthony, can I ask you something? Yes. You know, Nick talks about this repurposing. You know, we talk about that switch going on. You talk about life being different. Mm -hmm. Outside of you just becoming this caregiver and being there for Jess and, and, and that switch turning on for you, how has, how has that impacted your life just for you as, as you move forward? Has life gotten better for you? Oh yes, it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's gotten a whole lot better. Um, at the time, um, like I said, you know, when me and Jess started on this journey, I, I was three fifteen. Um, you know, uh, you know, I stopped eating sugar and changed the way I eat and stuff, and I went from three fifteen down to two fifty two. Um, so you know wow. that that yeah, that helped me. You know, as far as you know, with the eating and everything. Uh, the other thing was, um, you know, I get up no matter what. I get up around about two thirty three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I don't, it doesn't matter what time I go to bed. I have this internal clock that I get up around between two 30 and, and three o'clock. And I will go in my room. I have a meditation room and I meditate. Um, I'll say my prayers. I visualize and everything. And a lot of times I'll stay up, um, and go to the gym around about four in the morning, work out. And then I'll be up the rest of the day. I'll get back from the gym, make breakfast for my wife and stuff. And, you know, get my bulldogs up and take them out for a walk and everything. So it actually, it really got me uh, on a really good schedule to where, you know, I take time out for myself, uh, you know, because as far as, you know, being a caregiver and stuff, you know, you, you have to take care of yourself, including, you know, in order for you to take care of someone else. So, uh, but yeah, but it definitely, you know, because I never meditated before. And, you know, once I got into meditating and stuff and, and David, you know, I, you know, I've been taking life coach classes and stuff. So that definitely helped me right there with the uh, PTSD. So that helped me control that. So, um, so far, as far as I know, I'm the only one and, and there's probably other soldiers, ex-soldiers out there. Um, uh, but I'm not on medication. I haven't been on medication in 18, 19 years. Uh, I chose not to be on medication. At the time, I didn't know what I had. But once they told me what I had, you know, they tried to put me on oat meds and everything like that. And I told them no. And they said, well, what have you been doing? I said, I've been meditating and praying. And they said, well, just keep doing what you're doing. So I was like, okay, but, you know, somewhere along the line, I guess they didn't believe me. So they still sent me all the medication, but I didn't take the medication. And I'm controlling it. Uh, for all the people out there don't think that you can't control your PTSD. I have the worst case of PTSD. Like I used to wake up and my whole pillow was wet. If I wore a shirt to bed, the shirt was wet. i made an imprint in the bed. So I was like fighting like all night. I was in a battle in my head all night. I couldn't remember the battle, but it was a battle. But now, um, two or three years, I haven't I had one of those dreams. I stopped sweating, everything. And it's just off of meditating and prayer and uh, keeping yourself in a positive mindset. Uh, you know, it's it's like one of those, you know, how people always used to say, uh, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Now I say, what's the best that can happen? You know, it's, it's just my mindset that's unchanged that much. 
That's incredible. For our listener, yeah, for our listeners, I know Anthony, he's devout and habitual with his meditation. I mean, that's one of the things we actually discuss a lot about and we have discussions about is just meditation and, and what that brings to our lives and the benefits and things like that. I'm sorry, Nick, did you want to say something? Uh, you cut me off there, so um, I kind of lost it. I'm glad you went into that part of the story because – you know, it's it's like, you know, we say physician, heal thyself, or you can't take care of someone else until, until you take care of yourself. I mean, imagine what life would have been like had you been on opiates or other things, you know, antidepressants, anti-anxiolytics, or whatever for the duration of time since you came home from your tour. Like, what kind of state mentally, biochemically, emotionally, physically would does that version of you look like when it, when a diagnosis for your for your beloved other you know comes yeah. into play like that's where people do escape right yeah yeah exactly yeah and you know and a lot of t- a lot of times those medications put you in a zombie state and you your body is there but your mind isn't and you know with something like that you need to be fully present body and mind yeah yeah you're like a samurai master with that <laughs> mindset homie. i love it <laughs> I'm serious. Like I hope people, I hope our listeners, I hope they're really getting the nuggets of of what you bring with, with, with with just everything from your story, the journey, and just these simple things that we're discussing. You know, they seem so simple. I think when people listen on the outside, but when you really think about what we're talking about, when you live this, it, it elevates your life. You have the best day ever every day. Yes. yes. And and that's not to say that you don't have bad days, but your bad days when you live in this kind of kind of life for yourself, they're not that bad, you know? And when you look back at them, you're probably just tired and you just feel a little irritated, but you had a you probably still had a pretty solid day and life's yeah. pretty pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have I have a lot of good days and less bad days and even when I do have a bad day, um, you know, I don't less, you know, it's, you know, 24 hours, you know, I have 24 hours and within that 24 hours, I can't let one little incident, let the rest of those hours be bad, you know? So, um, once an incident or some, you, you know, you stomp your toe in the room on the bed, you know, at that morning, what are you going to do? You're going to let that you know, you stomp your toe that morning, you're going to let that ruin the rest of your day. No, you have all those hours. That probably took like two or three seconds for you to stomp your toe, but you still have all those hours during the rest of the day. Don't let that one event mess up the rest of your day. So that's that's where I'm at, you know. I've seen some pretty stumped toes in my day, buddy, so that probably <laughs> depends on how bad you hit it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just had a patient come in like two weeks ago. She broke two bones in her foot doing that. That's funny. Oh, man. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I said stumped toes, not broken toes. <laughs> <laughs> different story. Hey, I was going to say that uh, another thing that I loved about uh, what you shared in the book was, you know, as soon as you found out what was going on, you know, uh, one possibility would have been just to go into seclusion, you know, yes. be in hibernation mode, you know, do, 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 be the Superman, take care of everything. But you went, when you left the hospital, you went right over to your friend's house. You asked, you asked for community, you know, 
in, yes. you know, intentionally or unintentionally, you knew to get help and, and emotional support immediately. I mean, that's, yes. that's amazing. That's a, that's a, like an innate gift that you just knew to do. And uh, not everyone would know to do that. And, yes. they, and that stayed with you, right? Can you speak to that a little bit about community and your prayer group and, and some of that stuff? Yes, yes. Uh, we had a, a wonderful neighbor and friends, uh, Babette and Brian. And, um, you know, uh, like I said, you know, once I left the hospital, uh, you know, I went right over there and, and started talking to Brian and Babette. And, uh, you know, they started getting a, a prayer group together. Uh, and, you know, me and Jess, you know, we started going over to the prayer group and everything. And, uh, you know, it, it was a great support group. Um, and, and I suggest that everybody at least try to find some type of support group because our prayer group um, in Las Vegas, I mean, they were so wonderful, uh, you know, and, you know, we always seen uh, bits and pieces of them at church and everything, but it, it was, it was so great to have all of them uh, to come over, um, or, you know, like on Thursdays over at Babette's house so we could have a prayer group and everything. And, you know, and um, I mean, it, it was so great. Um, and like I said, uh, having that support group and having, you know, different individuals to talk to and everything. It it was awesome. So mm -hmm. that was a, a big stabilizer for us as well. Uh, just having the prayer group, you know. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You've, you've shared so many nuggets and I'm just going to sort of recap some and Dave, please um, okay. highlight some of the pieces here. So we talked about, you got to, you got to repurpose your mindset. You got to repurpose your identity. You got to focus on changing nutrition Yes. You know, you can program the medicine so that it's it's uh, intentionally working towards you and it's not this chemical moving into your body, yes. which many people have a negative attachment to all sorts of different medicines and things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, you, looked, you looked and sought out and sustained community. Uh, David, help me out here. What are some other, like, amazing nuggets? A connection, a higher power. Yeah. Whether that's God, whether that's the universe, I mean, whatever it is that it is, you have to have that spiritual peace mm -hmm. to take you through something like that. Yes, you do. Yeah, that's huge. So th there's so many pieces here that, you know, we talked about this as re in relation to cancer, but as David said, I mean, it's it hit, hit your wife, uh, Clarissa, with an autoimmune disease, my yes. my mom and dad with a brain aneurysm. It's, it's really, you're really talking about uh, an, an opportunity for anyone, you know, forget about predetermining, this is who I am, this is who I've always been. Mm -hmm. We all have a capacity to shift in a moment. Exactly. And that's exactly what you guys chose. Had you chose the other opportunity, the other choice, we would be talking in a completely different paradigm here. And yeah. we all have access to that. So, um, you know, we always leave a, a podcast uh, with some some messages, some home play. Um, what are what are like? And 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 please tell the name of your book again, just so people can. You know, how can people learn more about what is it you're sharing, and and what are some some nuggets you think that people could start to implement to uh, say if they're faced with crisis? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so the title of my book is "A Husband's Best Friend and a Caregiver: uh, The True Story of the Struggle Within." Um, you can find my book on uh, Amazon or at Barnes and Nobles. Um, uh, I would say uh, to a lot of people, um, you know, like depending on like what mindset you're in or, or whatever, um, I started like um, uh, reading a lot of different books, a lot of motivational books. Um, like one of the books um, I read, The uh, Power of Positive Energy 
and that is by uh, Adrian uh, uh, Theodore. So um, I read a lot of books like that. Um, one book um, I read is, um, excuse my language, but this is the title of the book, uh, Kick-Ass with Mel Robbins. Um, <laughs> wonderful lady. <laughs> yeah, but wonderful lady. But she also, but all of these books, uh, they have their stories um, uh, of different things that, that they went through, you know, uh, almost losing their house, bankruptcy, um, almost getting a divorce. They went through some traumatic uh, experiences. So I read a lot of their books and, um, you know, and they came out of, you know, they had to reinvent themselves. They had to change their mindset and everything. So I like to read like, you know, like different books like that. Um, another book is uh, Mental Toughness. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is by William Fisher. So, um, yeah, so I just read a lot of stuff like that. And, and that's actually what, what helped me and helped me grow too. So. So there you go. We, I mean, we speak to that every episode. We talk about finding help, whether it's in the form of a book, a workshop, a seminar, a conference, a health coach. I mean, whatever it may be, yeah. mm -hmm. when, when you're having these struggles in life, you don't do it alone. Go and find connection to something else to help yourself get through these things. So I would say the home plan, we'd probably say, where in there, where in our listeners' lives do you need to have this? Where, where do we need to flip the switch? And, and don't wait for something traumatic necessarily to happen. There's probably yeah. things right now, presently, exactly. right? Yeah. Uh, kind of dissect it. Look at everything and see where does that, that flip, where do I need to turn the lights on and bring that, like you said, bring the light versus the darkness into my life. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, you know, before I started reading the books, I started off with the YouTube videos. There's a lot of motivational YouTube videos out there where you can where you can save them and you can play them in the morning, play them in the afternoon, play them before you go to sleep. So I was always I was playing like four or five uh, motivational YouTube videos and they're very inspirational. So, you know, got to love YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, thank you so much for coming on with us today. This was a pleasure, man. It was a blast just discussing all these things with you. Um, tell Jess we said hello. I will will do. And thank you guys for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Appreciate you, Anthony. It's great meeting you. First time I get a chance to connect with you. And uh, it's, it's a pleasure, especially after reading uh, your book. And um, I think the listeners are going to want to go to that cliffhanger moment when you, when you have that dream. So just a reminder. Yeah. I guess we for you. Good <laughs> <laughs> no, Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration 